Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 24 of Bat Flips and Maple Dips. BFMD, as the cool kids would say. Uh, we are making the grade once again today. Starting pitchers, you are up. And it's also one of those shows we're drinking. Uh, that's uh, me, Clayton Croker from Saskatoon. Justin Anderson to my left in Saskatoon. I'm rocking a Twisted Tea, you're rocking a Coors. Coors Banquet. I'm such a coward. I was like, yeah, I'm going to go with the uh, girly Twisted Tea here. No, there's nothing wrong with the Twisted Tea. They're tea. delightful, hey? They are. Uh, Patrick, are you drinking your uh, Dr. Pepper or what? No, actually, I've got high-quality H2O on deck tonight. Ooh. I thought I was going to be the lame one with my Twisted Tea, but Patrick? I'm a teetotal. What do you what do you expect? <laughs> uh, we're going to be talking about the uh, Jays coaching staff uh, on this episode as well. We're going to be talking about uh, a couple new stadiums as well. The uh, potential one in Portland, Oakland's new plan for a stadium as well. Uh, and then, yeah, as I said before, starting pitchers, look out. Um, <laughs> if you guys have any questions or topic ideas or anything like that, send them our way. Send us a message on Twitter, on Facebook, on Instagram. We're all over it. SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play Music, YouTube, TuneIn, Stitcher. We're on all of those. Do I even ask if we're on Nexopia yet, Justin? No, don't do it. <laughs> People can also email us, batflipsmapledips at gmail.com. Who uses Gmail? Everyone's on Nexopia. Mm. <laughs> no one Gmail what it's time for my first disgusted sigh of the episode yeah we're at one okay two again alright there we go examples of the sigh count as well uh, it's going to be a fun episode let's do this uh, first up the Jays coaching staff here um, I know that Patrick is going to want to get into uh, Pete Walker but first uh, let's get into uh, the manager old Charlie uh, his first year as the MLB manager uh, he was with Tampa for a while uh, really really good with their AAA system the Durham Bulls mm, and the Durham mm. Bulls are known for being one of the best AAA teams yeah. like ever you know they're not just known for the movie yep. they were good in MVP baseball 2005 they were really good in MVP baseball yeah. 2005 actually um, <laughs> again Patrick you're the guy who kind of knows the coaches the best out of us three what do you think of this guy I know we kind of talked about him in uh, some past episodes but let's really break this guy down I, the more time that goes by, the more I like the signing of Charlie Montoya. Um, at first, right away, I was like, who? And then I started to read into it, and then I was like, okay, yeah, that makes sense. He was a bench coach in Tampa, and Tampa's one of the more uh, progressive uh, franchises right now as far as their like farm system and everything goes. Mm -hmm. Um, he's not so much an advanced stats guy as he is kind of like a blend of like the old school good body nonsense and the advanced stat uh, uh, nerdery of today. <laughs> so he's kind of like he's like a hybrid. Uh, and obviously he had a tremendous amount of success managing in AAA. I, I don't know, like the more I think about it, the more I think Charlie Montoyo is the right the right guy for us right now i don't know three years from now what the situation is going to be like but i like this because it's off board and it doesn't put any additional kind of pressure or expectation on someone like say stubby clap or john schneider again i was really hoping for stubby clap because of the whole canadian thing but I don't think he would have done great with the club that we have i think stubby clap would be great for a team 
like the Blue Jays in 2015, like a team that was mm-hmm. filled with all-stars, a team that could hit the ball and pitch at the same time. I think Charlie Montoyo is good for developing uh, the young players that we have. And yes, some kind of flip-flop in here because I was I was on the stubby clap bandwagon. I was kind of upset with Charlie clapper. Montoyo. But uh, again, the more I look at it, and that's the thing about Blue Jay fans, myself especially, we always overreact. The first two days when there's a big announcement or something like that, we're like, oh, man, what's going on? And then we sit on it for a week and we're like, okay, this actually wasn't that bad of an idea. Uh, Charlie Montoya, Justin. I like the guy, too. I mean, yeah, Patrick wait, touched wait, on wait, 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 guys, guys, before you get started, Justin, did you just hear what I heard? Was that Clayton being humble? Yeah, it, it happens every once in a while on BFMD. It happens. Anything well, I mean, can happen, guys. Anything is possible. Come on, we, go, we have to acknowledge this. Oh, nothing makes me happier than hearing Clayton back off a little bit from his previous hardline stance. That means that there is a possible future where he hates on Kevin Pillar as much as we do. That's not going to happen. So, Kevin Pillar is my that boy. That being said, go ahead, Justin. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I'm with you there, Patrick. I like Charlie Montoya. As the, I like the hire quite a bit. I mean, none of us knew who he was. He wasn't on the radar at, at all coming into this managerial search. And that might be a good thing. I mean, we saw the same thing with uh, the hitting coach that we promoted that we'll talk about later that came from our, inside our organization who nobody still had ever heard of. Uh, it says something about these guys who fly under the public radar, but in terms of the major league talent level, these guys have been known about for a while i mean you, you, you're not the manager of a triple a team for eight years without somebody seeing you um so yeah i'm, I'm with charlie montoyo I, I like the hire and I, I like lots of other changes to the coaching staff some that i wish would have changed but i'm fine with them moving forward so we can that's what do you any other thoughts on old charlie no let's get to uh the other new coach that we have the bench coach uh dave hudgens yeah. uh he was with the houston astros he was their hitting coach for four mm-hmm, years mm-hmm. he was also the mets hitting coach for a while uh he was the minor league manager in the a system for a bit kind of a charlie montoyo feel to this guy as well he has yeah. mlb experience just not as a manager but he does have managerial experience in the minors mm-hmm. i don't really know too much about this hudgens guy do you patrick uh, not really like a terrible amount, except that I know that Hudgens was, again, somebody that a lot of other teams were pursuing because he comes from yet another progressive organization that's interested in uh, both analytics and sort of the, the old school method. So Hudgens kind of fits in really well with the the narrative of getting Montoya and wanting to change things up a bit. Yeah. No, I'm I'm with you there. I mean, we had touched about it in the last episode where we talked about the coaching staff that Hudgens, uh, under his watchful eye, the Astros had a, a, w, a WRC plus of 110 over that time, so their offense was 10% better than the league average, which is solid, and they obviously won a World Series and uh, made it deep into the playoffs a couple other years, including this season. So, I mean, he's, a, he's another good guy, along with our hitting coach, Guillermo Martinez, um, that the hitters will be able to rely on. He's He's been around, and he knows what he's doing. So those are our two new guys uh, when it comes to the four big coaching positions, yeah. uh, Hudgens and Montoyo. The other two big coaching positions uh, are hitting coach. You said it, Guillermo Martinez. Uh, first year as an MLB coach. Uh, he was in the Jays uh, minor league system as a hitting coach, an infield coach for seven seasons. Finally getting a shot with the big yeah. club. Uh, again, our minor system has been killing it. Mm-hmm. So obviously coaching has something to do with that. Do you see him having success in the majors like he did in the minors? or? Uh I don't really know anything about the guy. I mean, he he was a major league draft pick. He only I think he played maybe like a handful of games in the big leagues before he played a bunch of independent ball 
in the States. But I mean, he's been with us for seven years and we've had a decent minor league record and system over the last little bit. So, I mean, outside of having some great prospects, I mean, this guy's obviously got some sort of knowledge if we're even giving him a shot as mm-hmm. a, as a big league coach. So, I mean, it, it's, it's cool that we're promoting from within. We've done it in a couple other positions here too. Um, I, I like to see that kind of thing because it shows that the organization actually values the time that these guys are putting in. I like that part of it in, too. In, in, down in the in the minors, and I mean minor league players don't get paid a lot. I can't imagine that coaches no. get paid a ton either. Um, so I mean it's it's good to promote from within that guys who have been in your organization for the better part of a decade. It's awesome to see. Patrick, do you think uh, Guillermo is going to be a good um, MLB coach, or is it an if he hired to promote from within? What do you think? Is he bilingual? I'd do imagine know so. It's a bilingual? good question. Um, I can do a quick Google search and see where he's from. That might tell us a little bit about him. Uh, well, while, while you do that, I, I'll i give my two cents. I'm kind of like... I I, I like a lot of these choices. I'm, I'm a little worried, though, that there is a lot... Like, there seems to be, like, a mounting amount of inexperience uh, mm. amongst the guys that we, we got. And, like, I do like the idea of kind of, like, hitting the big old reset button. The hitting, in particular, I was kind of hoping for somebody who had, like, extensive MLB experience to go, go into that position. Uh, and I'm not just talking about, uh, like, having seven seasons of of coaching experience, I was hoping for somebody who had like a healthy career in MLB who had like a, a rock solid uh, eye for the ball and had a good like on base percentage and had the ability to like draw walks and get hits. Someone like, I keep saying it, Paul Molitor, cause he's still one of the best contact hitters we've seen in the last 30 years or so. But I digress. I guess uh, I got to think more about advanced analytics. So I did a Google search on our boy Guillermo Martinez. He's from Miami. He was born there. Doesn't mean he doesn't speak Spanish. Uh, Miami's a very Cuban Latin place, uh, but he's only 34 years old. I don't know if we knew that. He's 34. Yeah, oh, so wow. he, he, was a, he was a 15th round pick by the Marlins in, 20, in 2006. He played three years in their system and then played three more seasons of independent ball before he joined us as a hitting and infield coach in 2012. Wow. So he's been a major league co- or a minor league, minor league coach since he was 28. So he obviously has some sort of knowledge um, that he just never really translated to a career for himself. But I mean, <laughs> it's kind of like the gym teacher joke, but it's like the those who can't do yeah. teach kind of thing. So I mean, uh, perhaps... Like, I mean, I've never been a baseball player, but I understand statistics, but and I can teach stats. Yeah. But I'm not a baseball player. Maybe Guillermo's the same way with a hitting exactly. approach. Exactly. He understands what to do, but he just doesn't have the personal tools himself to accomplish that. I don't know. Maybe he's just a really good student. I like that he's young because our team's going to be young, so yeah. he can relate it's to cool. all these younger guys. Yeah. He's going to be our kind of players coach kind of guy. It'll be the same way with John Schneider, who we'll yeah. talk about in a minute here too. Uh, the last big uh, for coaching position, uh, the guy who's coming back. Pete Walker. <laughs> I'm pumped about this. Seventh season is the Jays pitching coach. He was our bullpen coach for a season. He was the Fisher Cats pitching coach for a while. Pitched in the majors. Yeah. I love Pete Walker. I know you guys might be on the He's fence got a great about mustache. Him. I do love Pete Walker. I love his style. Again, uh, the, the money ball reference right here. He, he looks like a ball player. He's got a good <laughs> look to him. But I, I just like Pete Walker. I like um I like the stability that he brings to our team. At least we didn't just clean house completely. At least we have one sure. familiar face. And 
I don't know. I've always been a Pete Walker guy, but I know that uh, Patrick is not. So I'll just uh, I'll let you have the floor here, bud. Uh, Another one. There's two. What? <laughs> I just don't. I don't understand. Our entire rotation, top to bottom, has a problem with location, and we're not. Why aren't we doing like the easy thing to do, which is to just go out and just get coach to help with the problem instead it's the same guy and i don't I, maybe i'm wrong maybe pete walker is by no means part of the problem maybe it's the you know 10 to 15 guys we've had the last two or three years who all have terrible location who are the problem maybe we should just get rid of all of our pitchers instead and keep the pitching coach i don't know but i'm so frustrated with this i actually worked really hard uh, trying to think of a way to describe how I feel about Pete effing Walker. But, uh, whatever. That's it? That's it, hey? Well, that was very anticlimactic. I, what, what I, I don't know, like, I don't know what, uh, I'm trying to, I'm trying not to curse anymore, because I know Mrs. Anderson is listening. <laughs> Speaking of that, my mom actually commented on our little intro from last week when we told her we wouldn't go so we weren't going to swear anymore she's yeah. like oh i love that little intro <laughs> Aww, she's getting a so she, she listens every week good that's her. good oh, thanks mom <laughs> i don't think it's um pete walker's fault that our rotation um was a bit iffy over the past couple years i think it's our pitcher's fingers that is the huge problem because our pitchers can't stop getting freaking blisters the blisters have been killing aaron sanchez yeah. Um, you can't like Pete Walker can't do anything about that. What's he gonna do? Oh, well, throw so you don't get blisters. Yeah, I mean, no, it's... come on, it's not Pete Walker's fault. And I mean, Strowman and Sanchez, their whole drama that they've had—that's not Pete Walker's fault. I don't think a lot of the things are Pete Walker's fault because um, Estrada's just getting old, uh, Sanchez's finger, Strowman being Strowman. Yeah, I don't know. Do I just. Um, I just I think keeping Pete Walker was a good idea, and getting rid of everyone else is a good idea as well. But you got to have that one familiar face. Yeah. Speaking of uh, Marcus yeah. Stroman, he's it, on it, his big uh, jet tour right now with his yeah. cargo jet. I, every time he, he's he's coming to Saskatoon at some point this week, so I kept tweeting every time he mentions it. I was like, "You should come on our podcast. You should come on our podcast." That would be sweet. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, I would love it. And, and Jose, Jose Bautista's with him too. Like, the chances kind of, of that happening, yeah, yeah slim to none. But I mean, it's still funny. I'm just saying, every time he, t- he mentions like Saskatoon, like, you should come on our podcast yeah. in Saskatoon. Like a couple of random people like liked it. I was like, "Okay, thanks, guys." <laughs> That'd be <laughs> sweet. Like, randomly tweeting at him. Hey, come to the podcast. I love it. Bring Jose First with you. First question I'd ask him is, "What happened between you and Aaron?" Sanchez. <laughs> he'd wa- he'd he probably walk out. He'd, bo- he'd do the Eric right. Carlson uh, thing from last night when they asked him about his return to Ottawa and yeah. he just, just walked out. I don't think he wants to go back. <laughs> See ya. I, I think he wants to go back to Ottawa. But he just doesn't want to talk about it. And he's just like, man, I don't want to talk over about it. it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Pete Walker's coming back. Do you have anything to add on Pete Walker, Justin? You no, really... I, I don't really. I'm indifferent at this point. Right, we've, so, we've gone back and forth enough on him. So the other coaches that we have, uh, our first and third base coach, uh, Mark Bozinski is our first base coach. Uh, his first year as a Jays first base coach, he was with Cleveland, our favorite thing to do, pick up Cleveland scraps. Yep. And uh, our third base coach, Luis Rivera, uh, seventh year, uh, or maybe yeah, whatever, uh, third base coach, he's been there for like seven years. Yeah. He was the Fisher Cats manager for a season. I didn't know that. Yeah. Okay. So he's got some good managerial experience, which is always what you want yeah, from your he, coaching he staff. He was another Indians first base yeah. coach cast off back, but that's a long time ago at this mm-hmm. point. And then he coached in a minor, the minors for ten years as well. Like he's Luis Rivera has a ton of experience. Yeah. 
he played at the Expos back in the 80s for a few seasons in the the Red Sox. He never played a lot in the big leagues. I think the most games he played in a season was 121 or something with Boston. Mm-hmm. I was looking, looking up all the old stats. But, I mean, he's been around baseball for the last damn near 40 years now. So, Do you really care about the first or third base coach, Patrick? Like, is this big news to you or... I honestly, like, I forgot Luis Rivera was coming back, so now I feel kind of stupid about what I said before. <laughs> I do like, I, I like that he's back because, like, I don't I don't have a problem, although he, he definitely waves around more guys, I think, than <laughs> than the average third base coach. Oh, yeah, coach, it's because so. the Jays are trying to win. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know, like. I just I'm gonna call him Windmill Rivera from now on because like it seems like every time someone's rounding third, he's like go go go. Next time you're in the club, just pull out the mm-hmm. Rivera and just start waving your arm. Yeah. <laughs> I am gonna miss Tim Leeper a little bit on first base. Yeah. Tim Leeper would always make the boys laugh on first base. He had the good he ass. Had, he had he the al- good butt slaps. Yeah, he on always first had base, some too. kind of joke that he would just make the guys laugh there, and I kind of like that. So I'm gonna miss Tim Leeper. Um, I'm looking at the uh, major league field coordinator here, Shelly Duncan. Yeah, I totally forgot me- about Shelly Duncan. Him? He yeah. was my backup catcher in MVP baseball back in the day, back all the, the time, because yeah. he was so cheap and he was always on free agents. Yeah, like, he was like the best catcher available in the free agents all the time. <laughs> and he's our major league field coordinator, whatever that means. Yeah, I don't know. What that is really either. I'm well, not... he's just kind of like, like, you know, I guess he coordinates the field, <laughs> obviously, major league field I was trying to find out what a major league field coordinator does, and I couldn't really find a great job description. He's just another guy. Probably just another kind That's of coach. That's what Montoya was, wasn't he? Uh, I thought field Montoya was a bench coach or something. Yeah, he was the raised bench coach and third base coach their for a while. Their, their field coordinator story was... Was that uh, Rocco Baldelli? Yeah, it was Rocco Baldelli. Yeah, okay, maybe so it's just like infield outfield, strategy outfield, where to play know. guys and stuff like yeah, that. That's perhaps. what I think it is. Um, but I mean, I remember Baldelli was an outfielder though. Yeah, I remember when Shelly Duncan hit a home run at Rogers Center. It was they were, they yeah. showed a video of it. And it was, uh, the Indians were beating us like ten to three or something. And he came in and <laughs> mashed a bomb to the left field bullpen. But how would they find that highlight? Like I don't know. But August twenty-six, a wonderful thing. Two thousand four, yeah, you know. They have the archives. Yeah, our bullpen coach has quite possibly the best name on our team, uh, Matt Bushman. 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 He should wear like just plaid shirts yeah. and grow a big beard. I'm just gonna call him Bushman. Bushman. Which either sounds like the worst superhero of all time. Oh, here comes Bushman. Or it's it sounds a terrible like porno a, name too. Or, or it sounds like a really good porno. <laughs> Bushman. Bushman. Uh, first year as a Jays coach, he's going to be in our bullpen. Um, do you think he's going to help our bullpen out at all here, Patrick? Or our bullpen coach is kind of like babysitters, basically. Actually, bullpen coaches are extremely important. Unfortunately, no matter how effective Matt Bushman is at his job, until we wipe out the bullpen in its entirety, uh, it won't matter. Oh, we'll save that for next week, too. Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, <laughs> Yeah, next uh, everybody week's... out there waiting for next week's episode, trust me, I will not let you down. I'm going to come in, and I'm going to roast the crap out of that bullpen. Next right. week's going to be a spicy episode. Uh, this Bushman guy played in 2016. Four, three games. And he's already a bullpen coach at the major league level. Yeah. He... So it's got to speak to something for him because good for him. It's just like our guy Guillermo up there too, right? Yeah. 
Like that. That's why our coaching staff's relatively young. Relatively young. Other than Pete Walker, Pete Walker's getting up there. But and so is Luis Rivera. Do you guys and like, Dave Hudge is an old man yeah, too? But uh, I mean, before, do you guys like that? How our coaches are a little young? Or? I don't. I don't mind it. I mean, we've we've seen that's been the trend. Like we hired AA back in the day to yeah. GM, and like the Leafs did the same thing with Kyle Dubas, who's only thirty two years old. The guy's such a wad. I don't like Kyle Dubas at all. I think he's a good dude. Eh, I'm a big Leaf fan. He's though. up to something. He's, he's always he always says he's plotting something. I, know, I love I that. Don't like that. I want to know what he's plotting. I, I want to be in that's on it. That's why I hate it. You know? <laughs> um, he's actually like a deep cover Habs agent who's there. That's what I'm thinking. Sure. Nah, but Deuce has always been a Leafs fan. <laughs> the Leafs fan, lose in the first round. He's it's a, something every year. Yeah. Why'd you bring up Alex Anthopoulos, by the way? Now I miss him. Then I miss Josh. Did you see how he sent Josh a picture of his jersey? Too yeah. When they signed with the super Braves. Cool. Yeah. Super did you cute. see the uh, who has the worst uh, laugh? Kawhi Leonard or yeah. Josh Donaldson? <laughs> yeah. And they did it side by side. Man, Josh's laugh is weird. Uh, last but not least, here our last coach we're gonna get into, John Schneider. Yeah, boy. Our catcher's coach, but basically we're calling him an MLB his, coach. His, his thing says major league coach. Oh man, that they were basically just a pity hire here. No uh, way. This is this is a way to get him into the show. He yeah, we need a way to do it. The he's got potential been, to be a been, coach, I think. He's been toiling in the minor league system. Yeah, hanging with the Vancouver Canadians and stuff like that. But winning championships with the Fisher Cats yeah. and the Blue Jays in Dunedin, and I mean, he caught in our in our minor league organization for a few years too. Like he's been in, with the Jays yeah. since the early 2000s. You have such a man crush on John. Schneider I love John Schneider. I'm going to go to an unbiased opinion here. No, Patrick. All you, the no, players. No, love no you're not allowed. All to talk the players about love him. Great, and you do too. Okay, you can't talk about Kevin Pillar anymore then. No, that's different. No, it's not. That's, that's different. It's like when yeah. I talk about He's Mike Trout. I no. love Mike Trout. Yeah, no, no. Kevin Pillar is a player, not a major league baseball coach. That's his title. <laughs> Kevin Pillar is our starting center fielder. We can kind of go off on that, but like, it just he's I'm just literally just sigh a coach. off Mike over here. Not a, not a base coach, not a bench coach. He's just coach. Um, John Schneider, Patrick, like, does he have a future with the Jays? Do you think or? Oh God, yes. This is exactly what we need him to do. We need him to be with the big club. <laughs> He was probably like an a very very outside high, uh, higher probability for the the big role the manager role. Surprised he's not the bench coach, but the mm. fact that he's going to be working with the catchers really makes me think that the team is super ready to move on uh, away from Russell Martin. Cause oh yeah. I thought that Martin would probably like hang around, maybe how and catch or whatever later but now with john schneider being this like catcher role now i'm starting to think like maybe they're ready to cut cut him loose i don't know yeah i know i'm i'm i think that's probably the case like there's the trade rumors about russell martin have been swirling i mean the the pirates just put francisco cervelli on the block too yeah um, a, oh. former, a former teammate of Russell's. That was, about, I think, it was yesterday when that surfaced. So those are the two catchers that are like on the block right now. Um, I mean, Martin's contract is going to be tough to move without eating a good portion of that salary. Did you see Brian McCann's deal? Yeah, one year, two million dollars. I know. So if that's the market for that's an aging catcher, you're going to pay two million dollars. And like you could argue, Brian McCann and Russell Martin are pretty similar, but McCann's a better hitter. Power hitter. Yeah, and he's won championships. Yeah, or at least one. So. We might have to eat eighteen million dollars of Russell Martin's salary if that's the market, though. Two million dollars yeah. for a catcher, and we're paying him twenty million dollars a year. See, I, I don't know. I, it it would depend on whether or not people value Martin's athleticism over McCann. Like McCann's stuck at catcher, or yeah. he can probably play. Maybe he can play first base and, and obviously DH. Yeah. But I, I mean, we saw Martin play third base. Not that I like when he that he played third base a ton. But he definitely showed that he has some value in terms of 
the ability to fill in at least in like a late inning role as a a substitute if you have to say he goes to a national league team and the way they substitute pitchers and pinch hitters and all that crap he could be definitely an asset to that sort of team but i don't know i i would like maybe we should just straight up swap cervelli for martin but that wouldn't really help our problem no. getting jansen and mcguire playing time yeah and there's still luke Maley. we have four catchers right now two of them in in uh, jansen and martin are major league starting catchers or martin has been anyway and Maley and mcguire are probably destined to be backups but i mean we have to find playing time for those four guys and whether or not mcguire is the probably the odd man out at this point he'll be yeah. in AAA, but he'll be starting he'll be playing every day versus the guys who are in the big leagues who are going to be three-man platooning almost jansen will probably see three out of five days if they have to keep three catchers why don't we just put Maley in AAA then and have russell and danny go like switch off that's, like russell gets if russell true, gets certain yeah. pitchers danny gets certain pitchers so they build chemistry with them yeah, it would make sense for Russell to catch, say, Stroman and Sanchez. And say, say a rotation, for example, would be Baraki, Pannone, and Sean Reed Foley, the mm-hmm. other three guys. Baraki, or Jansen could catch them because he has, just as a hypothetical situation. Yeah. But, I mean, Luke Miley has des- deserves a chance to be a major league backup catcher, too. I mean, he, he had, he, we talked about him last week where he's, he does everything you want a backup to do. He yeah, true. does well enough. But, I mean, Russell at $20 million... The only, that's the only reason he's there. Like, if he was making eight million dollars, he's probably gone. he's DFA'd. Yeah, but you can't. You you're not going to write off twenty million dollars. No, Patrick. What do you think we should do with our catchers? Uh, this is a tough one because, like, again, yeah. there's like the emotional connection we all have to Russell Martin. <laughs> yeah. But we already talked about how bad his bad is and how it's deteriorated. So, I mean. I think the team could probably get away with having all three guys on the roster and Russell play off the bench like mm-hmm. uh, like 80 to 100 games a year, uh, uh, whether it's like pinch hitting or catching for Stroman and Sanchez, like you said. Like maybe what, what ends up happening is um, since Stroman is a bit of a diva and it, it matters a lot to him, he would be the number one starter. And then number two, you'd, yeah, we'd probably see like maybe Barucky because he's a lefty and then go back to Sanchez. So you'd see like Martin Jansen, Martin Jansen Jansen, and then yeah. back to Martin. Perhaps. Something like that. I don't mind that. And then I don't hate it. on the, the nights that he's Martin is not catching, he would be available as a pinch hitter as well as a defensive um, replacement. He could do like, yeah, he could do third or a, can Martin technically play right field or he technically could he could play anywhere he could probably play anywhere in the yeah. field i don't He's know how a ball well player. he do looks it. good you know looks, looks like, a, looks ball like a ball player good body good classic swing yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway <laughs> uh let's get on to marcus stroman here um, yeah this is pretty brief some rumors have been circulating that the jays could possibly move Stro Show. Yeah. Uh, Stroman went to Twitter, as he always does. Uh, Y'all be drawing conclusions of these trade rumors. It's my Marcus Stroman impression. <laughs> LOL, it's just talk, no facts, part of the game. I love being a Toronto Blue Jay, and all my energy is devoted to showing out for Canada every fifth day. Saying all the right things on Twitter. Yeah. He does love being a Jay, though. I he mean, does. no one changes their number to six just for the fun the of city. it. You know, yeah. he did it. He did it for the city. He loves playing there, loves the crowd, but I mean, any, everyone wants to play on a winner, and we're not going to win for maybe a, years. a year or two. Uh, the Reds were the team that kind of... Set off these rumors, yeah. yeah. The Reds. What do you think of these Stroman rumors here, Patrick? Do you think there's any uh, substance to this? Do you think it's going to happen? Do you think it's just kind of one of those things where the Toronto media needs something to talk about? Or 
because William Yenner's not enough. Yeah. Ugh. That's going to be over in 49 no. hours. <laughs> no. No. <laughs> All right, good talk. Yeah. Moving on. Yeah, that's, uh, that, there's nothing to it. I mean, they'd be selling low on him at this point because of the season that he just had. Mm-hmm. If this was pre-2018, yeah, maybe you talk. You might talk about it, at least listen to an offer because he was coming off two solid no. seasons. But still, it, it, it's to move a pitcher that has years of control left, a couple of years left. He's not a free agent until after 2020. So yeah. he has two full years left of control. We did ju- we did just see the Mariners move James Paxton, who also had two years left of control. That's kind of like the sweet spot right now, it seems, for, for uh, younger pitchers. But, I mean, we don't really need to move Stroman. He's 28, I think, and 27, 28, somewhere in that wheelhouse. And he's still coming into his pitching prime, essentially, the way because he had a later start yeah. to his big league career. So, do you think we could get more in return for Stroman than the Mariners got in return for Paxton? No, not a chance. No, it wouldn't even be close. Paxton's been a top five American League pitcher statistically for the big the last three seasons. Mm-hmm. Stroman, though, again, like Stroman people... has the league a league leading ground ball rate. Yeah. People forget, though, too, like two or three years ago, Stroman was the guy. I mean, he was pitching for Team USA in the World Baseball Classic. Yeah, final. yeah. Like, he's the guy. Like, he was the guy. He had some troubles the past two years, but there was a while. There, James Paxton's a... also a left-handed I pitcher. I know, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's true. Very, very true. But for a time, I mean, Stroman was one of the hottest names in baseball. He's really kind of gone downhill a little bit, but not Not, not, not a ton. Like, he's not falling off He the comes back with a good year this season, and—, and... You might hear rumors come up again around the trade deadline if yeah. the Jays are out of contention. Patrick, what would it take maybe. for you for the Jays to trade Stroman? Like, let's pretend you're Atkins and Shapiro. What would you need in return for Strosho? No. <laughs> he doesn't want to talk about this. Okay, moving on. Moving <laughs> on! Uh, yeah, Marcus, though. Come on our podcast, man. Yeah, see ya. Man. We'll see you this week. I think you're here, you might be here tomorrow. He was in Winnipeg today. So. Yeah, the one time, I think it was two years ago when the Jays came here, they came to a bar called the uh, the Long Branch. Oh, yeah. And uh, here in Saskatoon, that bar is like the one of the two country bars. Yeah. And the two country bars in Saskatoon are literally like 10 steps away from each other. It's yeah. weird. And um, <laughs> it was, oh, I can't remember who it was who came here. It was Ryan Go. Owens. It was Aaron Sanchez. Yeah, wasn't Anthony Ghost with him at the time? Anthony Ghost was here. That was a while ago. Yeah, and they just <laughs> partied, man. They Kobe just... Rasmus. I Kobe think. Rasmus. My buddy got a photo with Kobe Rasmus. That's who it was. This is and a while ago he now. Kept asking for his hat. He's like, Kobe's man, I'm a huge. You gotta give me your hat, man. You gotta <laughs> give me your hat. And it wasn't even a Jays hat. It was like a football hat or something <laughs> like that. Hey man, you gotta give me your hat, man. How sick of those players must be on those tours oh, of just man. drunk Jays fans coming up to him. And Wasn't like, like Jamie Campbell with all oh, that? Oh, Jamie Campbell would always come. Yeah. Jamie Campbell's the guy. Jamie Campbell loves Saskatoon. Oh, man, I love Jamie Campbell. So did Jay and Dan. Like, everyone who comes here loves Saskatoon. Yeah, because it's the tits, obviously. Yeah, obviously. Uh, let's talk about a couple new ballparks. Yeah, Portland sure. Portland Ballpark. Um, Justin, do you want to take this? this yeah, year. so year. this just kind of happened today. The Portland Diamond Project has signed an agreement in principle to develop a 45-acre piece of property along the uh, Willamette River in Portland. It's called their Terminal 2 area is what they're calling it. I'm not sure if it's near their airport. But uh, they're, they're talking about building an iconic state-of-the-art ballpark. Uh, they're committed to building a sustainable, equitable, and accessible ballpark that reflects what makes Portland such a special place to live. So that means outstanding locally sourced food uh, and beverage amenities. They talked about using sustainable construction. So probably a lot of environmentally friendly stuff, maybe solar panels, whatever, water recycling. Yeah. Stuff that Portland's kind of known for. Um, as a very environmentally conscious city. And, I mean, it, it sounds pretty cool. I mean, the MLB has said that they want 
stadium situation sorted out in Tampa and Oakland before they even talk about expanding. Uh, both the Rays and the A's have released proposed new stadium plans. The A's just did it a couple days ago. It looks hype. It looks pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, the Rays actually look pretty sweet also. They want to go with a transparent dome, so it actually allows light to pass through. Classic Tampa Bay. They need, they almost need a dome because of all the rain that they get there. Yeah. But, I mean, <laughs> it's just, it's, please make it better than the Trop. <laughs> Anything's better My than the God. Trop. So, yeah, it, it seems like it'd be the first time the MLB would even talk about expansion since 1998. So it's been 20 years since the Rays and D-backs, the Devil Rays, mm-hmm. and the Arizona Diamondbacks joined the league. Um, and only one of those teams has seen a World Series title, unless the D-backs won it. Um, and the Rays have been there, yeah. but they didn't win. So, I mean, it, it, 20 years is a long time. Uh, and the league isn't a pretty stable place right now. They've signed a big TV deal in the States for, that's increasing revenue down there. The Jays are decently solid in terms of their – they have good ownership. Yeah. So there's a lot of teams who are in good states. It's just the A's and the Rays need new stadiums. The OCO Coliseum in, in Oakland used to be great until they decided to play football in it. I watched – uh, they had to change it. I watched a series there. It's a horrible place to watch a game. It used to be cool before they had to modify it for football. Yeah. It used to be a good ballpark. I'll ask this question to you, though, Patrick. Does Major League Baseball need to expand? Do we need more teams? Yes. Really? Why not? Yeah. Yeah. Actually, I started working on something a really long time ago about uh, MLB expansion. It was like a writing project that I was working on. And the idea was that I wanted to look at how Portland and Montreal could fit into a 32-team restructured, realigned MLB. And it's something that... The timing is good enough now where I think it would be a cool thing for us to do in the offseason for me to show you guys the numbers Yeah. as far as what realignment could look like. I'm not saying that I have the the final word on it. Oh, yeah, you (laughs) Uh, are. But I've spent uh, hours looking at uh, the distance between cities and stuff like that. So I've got a little spreadsheet going, and I think now is like a really good time for MLB to expand because baseball has started to stabilize. Its reputation is starting to recover. They've taken a hardline stance against cheaters, and some people who have cheated are just, they're nowhere near getting that return back to the game or getting inducted into the Hall of Fame. So... This is like a good time for the game as far as like integrity goes. Mm -hmm. So with a a city like Portland, uh, and I'm assuming it's Portland, Oregon, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's I'm sorry. Like I'm, I'm really bad with uh, American geography. That's over. (laughs) That's like close to Seattle. That's the, yeah. Oregon's the state that's directly south of Seattle. Yeah. It's right. It's right on the, uh, right along that West coast of the States is where Oregon is. Yeah. Now, their population isn't that much bigger than Saskatoon's, believe it or not. No, it's not. Um, But that being said, um, Portland is kind of in that sweet spot where there's like a wide gap between where the nearest uh, team is. Aside from Seattle, like Seattle dominates the upper... Yeah, they dominate the Upper West Coast yeah. uh, of North America. And I just think that Portland would be uh, an excellent choice because 
I, I think it would be like a very, very small market, at yeah. least to start. It would be like Oakland. It'd be super money ball stuff. But I think that Portland is a great choice because it also sort of starts to build up this idea that like we need more West Coast teams. Sure. We need more in that sort of region. And I think Vancouver is going to get a serious look uh, after we see Portland and Montreal uh, join the, the fold. Vancouver is a horrible sports city, mm-hmm. but I will say they support the Vancouver Canadians like no man's they business. They do. They you love can't baseball get tickets there. to Canadians no, games. No, you can't. Like, they have the so net. many season ticket holders. They sell out every game. It's a great place it's to a watch nice a game. Ballpark. It's old. You can build a nice ballpark on the coast there in Vancouver, yeah. and you could have a pretty good following there. But the thing is, oh, Vancouver sports fans yeah. are just the worst. Yeah. Oh, they suck <laughs> so bad. Like, oh. So I don't know. It would work. It would definitely work. Yeah, and Portland's, Portland's cool. I mean, and Portland's cool too. It's the the Trailblazers in the NBA have a great fan base, yeah, they and do. it's the, it's the birthplace of Nike mm-hmm. um, in Portland. So I mean, they have that's where Nike headquarters is. So it's it's definitely an athletic um, area. They have great universities. Uh, Oregon State University, mm-hmm. where Nike founder Phil Knight used to run track and field and cross country running, is been a, one of the best producers of American track and field athletes. Uh, throughout history, so I mean, it's an it's an athletic town. It's they're very in tune with nature, as, as yeah. you probably alluded to from the description of whether to build their ballpark. So it's definitely the type of town that would embrace um, a franchise, I believe. I just don't know if it's uh, the right time to expand yet in the MLB. They wouldn't be ready why. to do this for yeah. a few years yet. That's true. It's it's kind of on the timeline, like the the Seattle hockey team is talking about being ready for twenty twenty. Yeah. I would think that MLB is probably a couple of years behind that in mm-hmm. Portland, even 2022, 2023. So this is probably a four or five year thing down the road that this stadium is just, they just signed a principal agreement yeah. to develop this land. It's, w- it's not a sure thing yet. I would say even like send a team there instead of expanding, like move a team to Portland. Yeah. But if the thing is, if the, if the Rays or the A's wouldn't, weren't getting, were trying to get new stadiums, that that's what would happen. Yeah. They would be moving. But because both franchises are, basically kind of working on new stadiums the mlb has kind of backed off on them for a little while anyway mm-hmm. as long as that starts to happen where they actually start building these ballparks yeah uh then yeah, i don't think there's any teams aside uh, sorry i didn't mean to cut you off no there, it's Justin. fine it's um, it's fine I, I think i think yeah you're right that there's no teams who are really in danger of moving at this point maybe the closest might be miami but that new park is absolutely gorgeous yeah and, the, and... and they took out that stupid home run statue in the outfield so that's nice yeah, like no matter no matter how much <laughs> Miami Marlin management hates baseball <laughs> and hates the fans, That's for you, they Peter. still go to games and they're still not really in any immediate like mortal danger. No, but I would say like they kind of seem like a team that would be vulnerable to relocation. Yeah. But since ground hasn't even been broken on any stadiums big enough, like they, if any team had to move like next year they'd have to move to a probably like a college town that has like a a stadium all that's already there that can be like prepped or like reconfigured to be uh, a baseball stadium that's or right. like somewhere like um you know like the uh, auburn university yeah. in alabama like that would that would be like a, a viable option for like a temporary move or temporary relocation because like you can't move a team to Portland now they no. don't have a stadium yeah for sure you you same with Vancouver same with Montreal you, you, there's nothing there for them to play in long term so like it doesn't make sense so if a team absolutely had to move right now 
they're gonna move to like uh, a very prominent uh, like college town, even like Louisville. Yeah. Move the Padres anywhere. I'm so sick of the Padres. They suck. Pete, the San Diego worry. likes no. the Padres. They just Love signed. The uh, they just signed Garrett Richards today. Ooh. Big free agent splash. Ooh. I told you the the Padres have money. They're a dark horse to sign some big names this offseason. Watch out. They're always a dark horse. They've been a dark horse for 25 years. Watch out. When Tony Gwynn left, that team died. Uh, let's get to some grading. Uh, we are grading the Blue Jays rotation. Yeah. Uh, same as the infield. Same as the outfield. We'll give them uh, a grade. Obviously, that's why we're grading them. I don't know why I needed to explain that. Um, let's go here. First up, bat and lead off, Marco Estrada, uh, our boy. We love Marco Estrada here on the podcast. It's just he had such a horrible year. The artist formerly known as Ace Estrada. Yes. Um, 28 games started. Uh, his ERA, gross, 5.64, 1.43 whip. Um, only had 103 strikeouts, walked 50 guys, allowed 29 home runs. The more I get into these stats, ugh, uh, not great. Yeah, you're uh, it was his worst season him. as a J. He was injured. He was injured a lot of it. His back's messed up. Um, Patrick, I'll let you grade uh, Estrada here first. Well, I think the key indicator of of Estrada's decline, you can see it in his FIP and you can see it in his K's per nine innings. He used to be a pretty decent strikeout pitcher because he had that really deceptive changeup. Now that's gone and he just gives up a ridiculous number of fly balls. And when you are a fly ball pitcher and 11% of your pitches are home runs <laughs> when they're fly balls, you're going to have a, a lot of home runs given up at least one a game. Yeah. Uh, I think his, his home run per nine innings is 1.82, which means if he's pitched at least five innings, he's given up a home run. Not a good look, especially when the Jays had this like chronic problem of getting outs when they had guys on base against them. Uh, Estrada, C-minuses for, for me on uh, his pitching ability. His fielding, um, I don't have anything negative to say about it. I don't think he was like bad. Uh, so like B, I guess, and uh, overall grade of C. Uh, happy retirement, probably. Are we going to give fielding grades I'm to the pitchers? Field. I'm not, not going to give fielding that, yeah. grades to the like. It's Marcus Stroman will maybe get an A fielding, yeah, <laughs> and then whatever. Um, <laughs> whatever. We're just saying like Estrada gets a C. Uh, happy retirement. Goodbye. Okay. That's sad. That was a really sad way to end that. It is sad. I mean, <laughs> really sad. Just brush that under the rug there. Just like, ah, okay, see ya. Yeah, Marco's a fly ball pitcher, but he had the worst ground ball, the lowest ground ball percentage of his career at 24%. He gets about 0.43 ground balls per fly ball. So it's almost two to one fly ball to ground ball ratio. Um, <laughs> his lowest innings pitched in a season since 2013. He averaged only 5.1 innings to start, uh, just over five innings to start. His velocity was down on every pitch he threw. He had no pitches that had a positive win value to them. And his free agent worth, after last season, if Marco Stroud would have been a free agent, he would have been worth around $20 million a year. Easily. It went down to 4.2 after this season. That's what he's worth on the open market right now. $4.2 million a year. That's tough. That's about a fifth of what he was worth. I mean, yeah, Patrick touched on the home runs. 1.82 home runs for nine innings. That's not good. Like, if a pitcher's giving up more than one and a half home runs for nine innings, that's, that's when you get into the trouble. Yeah. You like it closer to one, obviously. Mm-hmm. But if we're being picky, I mean, yeah, it's it's bad. I'm giving him a D. That's my rank. 
I'm going to give him a C plus for battling through the bad back. Um, because here's the thing. The Jays were out of it. Oh, yeah. The Jays weren't making the playoffs, and yet he was going out there with a bad back, risking it, risking it for the biscuit. He didn't miss much time this year, right? I know, yeah. He didn't miss much. His back was messy. You could tell he yeah. wasn't right, and mm-hmm. yet he was still out there for the boys chucking. So, you know what? For a little bit of heart, I'll give you a C plus. But if it wasn't for that, I agree, D. He was... <laughs> He was bad. Um, Sam Gaviglio, you're up next. Uh, 24 games started. Uh, he allowed 21 home runs. Only walked 38 guys. That's not bad. Um, 105 strikeouts. He had a whip of 1.44. ERA was a little higher, though, 5.31. Um, numbers for that for a young guy might not be that bad. Maybe not the ERA. Sam Gaviglio is 28. Yeah. So he's not going to get much better. He's not going to develop. So where do you put Sam Gaviglio here, Justin, on your ratings? So the ERA is a little bit misleading. His, his ex-FIP is uh, down all the way at uh, 4.16, and that's if if the home run per fly ball ratio is at 11, or 11%, his is at 16.7. So he's giving up a lot of home runs per fly ball, but he's getting ground balls almost 50% of the time. Uh, batters hit a little bit better against him on balls in play than the major league average. They hit about 313 on balls in play versus the 299 league mm-hmm. average. So he had a little bit of bad luck on balls in play. His actually like his peripherals are decent. Like at 2.77 walks per nine isn't bad, and over seven and a half strikeouts per nine. So I mean, if you look purely at his peripherals there, at just the walk numbers and the strike numbers, you say this guy's decent. He's serviceable. Uh, the home runs are a little bit high again. They're over 1.5 per nine, and he has, struggles with leaving runners on base. He uh, only leaves 68.8% of runners on base, which isn't that great. So he allows three out of every 10 runners to score, at least. Um, but even after all of that, he still had a point zero or a point nine war, wins above replacement from fan graphs. And in 123 innings, that's not terrible. Um, the thing I think of Big Leo is he's never going to be more than a fifth or sixth starter. And unfortunately, we have a couple of guys that we'll be talking about who are probably in that same boat. Um and that's just the way it is. I, I, he might get a chance to pitch in a rotation in 2019 just based on the fact that we don't have a clear-cut rotation as of yet. Um, but all likelihood, if he's still in organization come opening day, he'll probably be in AAA, but he'll be one of the first guys as a fill-in. You could see him as a long man in the bullpen too, but I mean, I think Gaviglio is probably a starting pitcher for at least one more season. He's not. He's the opposite of Joe Biagini, where we're not going to make him a reliever when he's already been a starter. Yeah. Whereas with Joe Biagini, we tried to do something where there was nothing there. Um, so I'm I'm going to give Gaviglio a C minus. Okay, Patrick. Uh, I'm going to give him a D because I think that he is bad and he should feel bad about <laughs> his badness. Um, I don't think he has a future. As a major league starter, he'll probably, if the team is not competing, he will probably see spot starts, especially if one of our uh, starting rotation gets injured. Um, but he, I would say he's better than Joe Biagini, but that's saying very little. So he gets a D from me. I think the FIP and the XFIP are, I don't think that's going to, I don't think that's indicative of him as a pitcher. Um, I know like all signs point to that being the opposite. I just don't, I don't think he's good. I, I, he's worse than Drew Hutchinson. He's worse than Joe Biagini or well, he's better than Joe Biagini, but worse than, than Hutchinson. 
I'm going to give him a D, that's... and that's it, because I'm done talking about Sam Gaviglio. We've spent way too much time on Sam Gaviglio. <laughs> Come on. Like, oh, no, boys. D. D. Uh, J-Hap, up next. Our boy. Friend of the show. Um, 20 games started before we traded him to the Yanks. Um, his whip was great. 1.18, not bad. Uh, 4.18 ERA. His FIP, or ex-FIP, I should say, 3.88. Um, he wasn't great for the Jays. He was our pity all-star. Every yeah. team gets that pity all-star. Uh, that's not good, and he was it. But he did play pretty good for the Yankees. He wasn't like an impact arm. Like He wasn't yeah. like a, a David Price when he came to the Jays going 9-0 and down the stretch or something like that. Um, but he was solid for the Jays. And I know it's tough not to take in like like his history with this grade because yeah. it's it's all about the, the the year that he had. But I'm gonna give Hap a B, mm-hmm. B plus actually. You That's know what? Because Jay Hap was the only real bright spot to our rotation this year. Yeah, and good on him for again just just going out there for the boys on a tough season. But I'm gonna give Jay Hap a B plus. Cool. Um, yeah, I'm giving him a B as well. Uh, the strikeout numbers were great. Almost 10 per nine innings yeah. when he was with us. And the walk numbers were good too, about two and a half. A little bit more home runs than, than the league average at 1.37 per nine. But I mean, he was typical J-Hap. He started out really strong. He was working six, seven, eight innings in his first handful of starts. He ended up averaging about just a, a five and two thirds by the time he was done with us. He had a few rough ones towards the end. We, we had some episodes where we talked about how his trade value kept going down as yeah. we got closer to the deadline. Uh, he was struggling a little bit. But, he yeah, he was our pity all-star. Unfortunately, we needed to send somebody to the all-star game, and he was the one that was chosen. He was the most deserving at the time. Um, in terms of ever bringing Jay, Jay back, uh, let him go somewhere where he, where he can win. <laughs> he's getting old. Like He's only got a few years left, and uh, maybe like one or two of actually like positive contributions. He added 3.2 wins above replacement when he was with us. So that's a pretty solid 20-game stretch for a starting pitcher. That's really good, actually. Um, yeah, statistically, Jay Happ was the best starting pitcher we had in our rotation for 20 starts plus this season. Um, so, yeah, he gets a B for me. Patrick? What's the highest grade I can give him without giving him an A? Would it be like B plus or B plus plus or something like that? I like B plus like, plus. <laughs> some something like that anyway. Yeah, like he doesn't deserve an an A, I don't think. Not um, quite. Yeah. But but Hap was definitely our best like regular starter, like you said, Justin. Yeah. Um, he is great at limiting walks. Uh, he is a K machine. Uh, he is a bit more susceptible to uh, the home run per fly ball thing than than some of the other pitchers that we had who started consistently this year. Mm -hmm. Uh, But he was just, I don't know, like I I almost want to give him an A, but I don't think anyone really deserves it. B plus, I'd love to have him back, but at his age, it could be next year that he we start to see like a dramatic decline, True. and I don't think we want to see. We don't. We already experienced the heartbreak of watching a pitcher degenerate this, <laughs> the, with uh, Marco Estrada. I don't want to see that again, especially not with someone like Hap, who you know deserves to be on a team that goes far. 
Agreed. I don't think we should bring Hat back because what's the point? I mean, what's the it point? It does make sense Hat for him. We know what he is. We know what he's going to bring to the table. It'd be nice getting a guy who we don't know who he is. We don't know what he brings to the table. Maybe he surprises yeah, us. We you just, know? I just want to see Jay win. Yeah, me he too. deserves that. Me too. Um, Aaron Sanchez. Oh boy, can I take this one first? Yeah, I know. You what, I know. Nuts, what, I know what Patrick's going to say, so I'm going to beat him to it. This guy just walks way too many people. <laughs> Five <laughs> per nine innings. That's way too many. Like, this, this, is this Pete Walker's bad. fault? <laughs> oh, it's all Pete Walker's fault, obviously. So the thing, the issue I have with Aaron is outside of those walk numbers being atrocious, the rest of his numbers look really good. Like, if he didn't have five walks per nine innings, his xFIP was at five. Yeah, but that's uh, that's partly due to the wa- the, to the yeah. walks thing too, right? Like, say you cut that walk rate in half and it's at two and a half, which is probably about average for where you'd expect a major league pitcher to be, somewhere between two and a half to three. He's giving up less than a home run per nine. He's striking out seven and a half batters per nine innings. His home run per fly ball rate is right at the league average, just mm-hmm. below 11%. His ground ball rate's almost 50%. He's still stranding 70% of his base runners, even though he's giving up so many free passes. Outside of that, like, if he had half as many walks as he did, his whip would be much lower than 1.56. Like, he's somehow in, the, in those 20 starts, 105 innings, which is just over five innings per start again, seems to be a theme with our starting pitchers, which is fine. He still managed to add almost a full win above replacement, even though he walked five guys for nine innings and had an ERA of almost five. It's it's kind of baffling that he was able to do something that seems positive to me is 0.7. It's not much, but for a guy who had a, as crappy of 105 innings as Aaron Sanchez did in terms of control issues, he wasn't that bad. Like, you take those walks away, and I'm not saying you can, but you if if you could, and if he if he does going forward. He's going to be a top-tier pitcher like again like he was a few seasons ago. And I know I beat on this all the time where it's like I, I, I'm a big Aaron Sanchez supporter. I think he has all of the tools to be a top rotation guy, like a one or two starter, if he could sort out this control issue that he had. Sure, he missed all of almost all of 2017 with that blister issue. He had some issues again with that stupid finger this year. Um, <laughs> if we could just cut off the finger and give him a bionic one at this point or something that's plastic that they can't get a blister on, if that would work for him, that'd be great. But unfortunately, we can't. So no. all we got to do is hope that he does. I mean, Marcus Stroman's been posting all over social media about all the working out he's doing. Every freaking day he posts, oh, yeah, back in the gym. Yeah. Because that's just how he is. He needs to let you know that he's doing the thing. Whereas Aaron's pretty quiet. So if Aaron Sanchez is doing the same thing that Marcus Stroman is doing and just getting himself in the best shape possible to come out strong in spring training, I have all the faith in the world that we'll see that control come back to where it should be with Aaron and maybe see the strikeout numbers tick back up a little bit. So... I mean, I have to give him a D for this season just be- just because of the walk numbers. But if I could just grade him solely on everything else, he'd probably get a B, honestly. Okay, Patrick? There's four. <laughs> that, that was more of a grunt than anything. Still but counts. Yeah, you... <laughs> You said it. You said it all, Justin. I <laughs> I know this makes for bad radio, but I agree with everything that you said. I am very, very, very concerned with Aaron Sanchez because I'm starting to think that he is just a dumbass. Because look at all these injuries <laughs> with to his goddamn fingers, and I I, I he just seems like an idiot. Like, how do you jam your finger in a suitcase? You're you're a major league pitcher. Your hand is your most important object on your body. Any damage to that object is going to put you out of action for at least two to six weeks, depending on how bad it is, possibly more. 
And he goes and jams his finger in a goddamn <laughs> effing suitcase. Yeah. A suitcase handle. Like, like Aaron Sanchez is he's gotta be he's gotta be like a grade A dumbass. So he gets an A from me for being a dumbass. Um if we're gonna grade him on that. But overall, this season was like a D for him. This was a total disaster. And he only has one year of arbitration left, so if he wants to you know, get a good contract or have a future. Uh, he's got to stop doing idiot stuff with his fingers. We should have traded Aaron Sanchez, and we had the chance. We said we you guys said about all Josh Donaldson too. You guys all laughed at me when I suggested we traded Aaron Sanchez at the deadline this year. You guys were like, I don't know about that. We still got faith. We should have traded Aaron Sanchez when we had the chance. His finger's not going to get better. Um, I don't think he'll ever get back to that form of when he was like 15 and two that one year and was Cy Young material. Yeah. Uh, C minus. We need a police siren for the hater alarm every time somebody starts hating on somebody. Well, it's just man. Every time we talk about a player, market, one of us hates on him. His value was so high, it and was. now it's crap. He's not. We're not going to get anything for him if we want to trade we, him. And I just don't see him bouncing back. We see this. this we saw this with Josh Johnson. Yeah. We saw this with Marcus Stroman. We we, we refuse to trade players when their value is at their highest. Yeah. So let's and get into Marcus Stroman then, let's shall get we? Into him. Uh, he's only twenty-seven. He's coming to Saskatoon tomorrow, He's coming I think. to Saskatoon tomorrow. He might be even be on the podcast. Who knows? Um, excellent fielder uh, nice when tease. he's not tearing his ACL. <laughs> and, um, yeah, he's still got a high upside, in my opinion. Again, oh, it wasn't sure. too long ago when this guy was one of the best prospects in baseball. Yeah. Um, for this season, though, uh, again, he was a little hurt. Yeah. So what can you do? A couple times. I'm still going to give him a B-. minus. B-. I can't quite give him a C. I'm going to give him a B-. minus. His ERA was way too high, but his XFIP wasn't bad. No, it's really good, actually. Um, and again, his ground balls. Are, he's the best ground he's ball the best, pitcher in he's baseball. He the league. Yeah, he's, he's the guy when it comes to ground balls, and I love that. And um, I, I'd say B- minus for Marcus Stroman. Patrick? Uh, uh, if you look at his numbers, they uh, the advanced pitching numbers look way better than uh, Aaron Sanchez. But I still, I was so unbelievably frustrated every time Marcus Stroman went out. It seemed like he was always walking somebody, and yeah. he certainly lasted longer, or at least it seemed like he lasted longer than Sanchez did comparatively. But that's what yeah, said. like I, nah. I just have this weird feeling where like every time it mattered, he was serving up a meatball. Mm. Like it's just frustrating. I'm tired of his mouth. I'm tired. Of him, that's what she said. Just like, <laughs> all right. Man, he's cutting us up good over here. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm absolutely. I'm tired of the walks. I'm tired of. Hmm. I'm just tired of talking about these the rotation already. And I know, like, we've already talked about the worst, but still, like, Marcus Stroman gets a C minus for me for this year. Uh, way too many walks. He has a control problem. Uh, he gives up way too many hits. Um, his ERA was atrocious this year. He was still 1.5 wins above replacement, but that means absolutely jack shit to me. Uh, and yeah, I'm back to cursing now because we're oh, talking about Strowman again. It's just I'm word so people. tired of this kid. Like, ugh. this is his last year of arbitration. It's either he, shit or get nah, off the he has one more Strowman. year this. He's got this is his second last. He's he's done after 2020. 2021. Oh, okay, is my yeah. apologies. Yeah. Uh, he has. A, a, a year after this year, he has one more year of arbitration. This is basically the show me year, and next year is like the the drop dead year, where it's like either you figure it out or you're gonna get like three million from San Diego and have fun pitching in San Diego. San Diego. So I I'm giving I'm giving Marcus a C Six. plus. <laughs> a C plus. I was gonna give him a C, and then I looked deeper into the numbers. I mean, 
he's giving up less than a home run per nine. He's never been a huge strikeout guy, but he's still striking out six and a half guys. The, the FIP and XFIP look great. The ground ball percentage is great. The left on base percentage at 60 is brutal, though. He's got to figure out um, what to do when there's runners on base. I mean, the ground balls help, but it seems like whenever he gets guys on base, uh, he, uh, he just has a hard time getting them out. But I mean, I'm giving give him a C and a C plus, and you guys have already touched on everything. He's a great fielder too. If we can talk about his fielding, but yeah, C C plus. Okay. Um, could we just agree that Jaime Garcia gets an F? Yeah. <laughs> yes. F minus. <laughs> he straight up gets an F. F-. Before the season, I thought Jaime Garcia was going to be a we game changer for the rotation. Yeah. This guy swindled us, man. This guy took us all for fools. Well, that's what happens when your name looks like Jamie and it said Jaime. Jaime. You're already swindling people. <laughs> Jaime. You're already lying to yourself. Oh, he was so bad. He had so much potential. I thought he was going to be such a good veteran presence, and he was so bad. So F. F. F minus from Ooh, me. Yeah. Oh man, that's bad. Uh Ryan Barucky. Show Rucky. Yeah boy. Yeah boy. Um yeah. 17 games started. Um not bad walks. 33 walks on the year, 67 Ks. Yeah. Uh, his ERA was good, 3.87, but then you look at his XFIP and it was 4.62. Don't worry, I'll reference that in a minute. Yeah. Um I'm gonna give Ryan Barucky. I think he's got a great future with the Jays. Yeah. I think next year he's gonna be a B plus kind of guy, but I think this year he was a C plus kind of guy. Okay. B minus kind of guy. Take it back. B minus. Uh, I'm gonna go next because I know Patrick likes Shoki a lot, so I'll let him finish this. I'll give him an A minus. Whoa, really? So Ryan Baraki averaged five, just over five and two thirds innings per start, which was the highest on our team in our starting rotation, which isn't saying much, but compared to his minor league numbers, he was struck out less than he did in the minors, which is totally fair. He walked a few more, which, again, totally fair. Still not bad. Three walks per nine, six Ks per nine. Um, his home runs were less than he did in the minors. He's got about half of the percentage of a major league average, which that could that's why his XFIP is high. Um, his batting average on balls in play was eight points below league average. That's great. He limits contact. Um, and his ground ball rate was actually a little bit lower than it was in the minors, and it was still about 47%. The reason that Ryan Barucki's XFIP is so low or so high compared to his ERA is because of the home run per fly ball number. But I went back and looked at his idol, Mark Burley. Exact same story. His XFIP before his career was over a run higher than his career ERA. That's just because Mark Burley was really good at limiting limiting hard contact. And that's what Ryan Barucki does as well. So they're they're very similar pitchers, and it's 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 funny that he grew up idolizing him because he looks doesn't look the same as Mark Billy. He's a little bit trimmer at this mm. point in his career. But he has the same sort of approach on the mound where he throws a bit harder. He averages about 92 on his fastball, whereas Mark Billy was always like a – he was a low 90s guy at the start of his career, and then he bottomed out at like 85 by the end of it. He was throwing just beach balls, uh, but still low-kidding. Well, it's like Bartolo Colon doesn't yeah. have the fastball blast anymore. He's just big sexy. Um, so Ryan Barucki is really good at just limiting contact, and that's why his numbers are great. I do agree with you. I think he has a, a good future with the Jays, and he's probably about a B-plus – middle of the rotation kind of guy, number mm-hmm. three starter. Um, but yeah, I gave him an A minus just because of, for a young guy to come up from AAA and starting a double A to start the season actually too, and come up to the big leagues and, and have a, a decent amount of success, he added 1.7 wins above replacement in 17 games, which is more than Marcus Stroman did in his 20 games or whatever it was, 19 games. Um, I got to give the props to the guy, give him an A minus. He was our best starting pitcher in terms of stats-wise, uh, outside of Jay Happ, who didn't finish the year with us. 
So I'm going to give him an A minus. Patrick, are you giving him a higher one or no? No, I'm going to give Baby Burley a B plus because I don't think anyone deserves an A this year. Um, but I totally agree with what you're saying with regards to his uh, statistic performance. He, for all intents and purposes, he is the reincarnation of like early Mark Burley. I didn't mean for that to rhyme, That's and I know it sounded nickname, stupid. Early Mark Burley. <laughs> uh, but Baby Burley is definitely a suitable name for him. He fits the bill. And I think I'd be really excited to see what Barucki can do uh, as either the number two or number four starter, where he's immediately pitching after either Stroman or Sanchez, who have a little bit of, like, strikeout ability. and Like, they have a little bit of firepower. Because right. uh, Barucki doesn't have that like heater, he's got the control component. Although his walks are a little bit higher than I'd like for it to be, nobody's you know perfect. I'm not going to trash him, <laughs> and it's weird because he gives up a phenomenally low number of home runs. And I don't know if this was just like a fluke because like he didn't give up home a home run for like so long uh, at the start of the season, but everything looks really good for him. I think that he is going to be a star. I think he's going to be like Mark Burley, and in like 10 years from now, he's going to be exactly what Burley was for Chicago uh, in the early 2000s. I'm going to write that down. I'm going to remember yeah, this. So... What's, what's the date? The 29th <laughs> of 2018? Okay. Yeah. Mark Burley's career home run per fly ball percentage was 9.7, so major league average is 11. So Mark Burley was still wow. staying below that for his whole career, and he only 25% of his contact in his career was hard contact. So, I mean... Then league average is over 30 hmm. for pitchers. So, I mean, Mark Burley was the definition of a guy who outperformed the advanced stats, uh, career ERA, let me just find it here, 381, career XFIP was 321. And mm-hmm. his later years, when he was with us, his ER, his, his XFIP was about half a run higher than his ERA. So he, he, he always outperformed um, where he should have been if he pitched to the advanced stats um, specifics, I guess. Yeah. Expectations. All right, Sean Reed will get in the Hall of Fame, by the way. Oh, yeah, for sure. Sean Reed like, Foley. Um, SRF, surf. <laughs> yeah, surf. boy. Surf. <laughs> um, seven games started, so it's kind of tough to grade him right yeah. now because he's only started seven games. He started rough, but he's 23 years old. He um, showed some flashes, right? Yeah, he showed some flashes. Uh, he's definitely not where Baraki is right now, but he no. can definitely, I think his... He's a strikeout boy. Yeah, I wouldn't say that his ceiling's higher than Baraki's, but I'd say like... They're comparable. They're very comparable. Sean Reed Foley is more sexy than Baraki. Again, oh, yeah. Baraki's that burly, you know what you're going to get out of him. Yeah. You, you know, bring your lunch pail to work. You know, he's that kind of guy. Sean Reed Foley's more of like, uh, he, he can get like 13 Ks. He reminds me of, um, just in terms of like, the strikeout potential of, a, of an early Brandon Morrow. Yep. Just in terms of Jay's past. Yeah. The, uh, the, of a guy who, when he's on, can potentially pitch a no-hitter. Yeah. And throw 13, 14, 15 strikeouts in the game if, yeah. he's, if he's perfect. He's getting a B for me. Because it's just too small of a sample size. I can't give yeah, him too many I'm, negative things, positive things. He's getting a B. I'm not going to grade him uh, just based on the lack. I, I was I used kind of 10 I was thinking ten starts as a benchmark. He threw 33 innings, and that's it's, it's tough to grade a guy on 33 innings. He had a couple of really good starts where he struck out like 9 or 10 guys. One of them was against Miami, in Miami. Um, his home He gave up a few more home runs than you'd like to see, obviously. I walked a lot of guys. Again, he had 5.67 walks per nine, but 11 and a half strikeouts. Uh, the, ideally, you'd like to see him. He'll, he'll probably be like, he'll be a, a 10 strikeout per nine inning kind of guy. And hopefully, a, like a three walks would be ideal. 
Left on base percentage is low, 67.3. And his ground ball rate's pretty low too. I believe, don't quote me on this, I don't have the stats in front of me, but I believe his minor league ground ball percentages were a little bit better than that. So hopefully just a couple more uh, starts and whatever you'll see and figure that out. So I'm not going to give him a grade, but I will say that I did like what I saw in short stints from Sean Reed Foley. Um, so, I mean, if I could give him a grade, it'd probably be about a C. Patrick? It was a really rocky start for him. You guys remember when we talked about his first start in uh, New York and then in Kaufman and how he was having this problem with the the fly balls. And he he actually gave up one less home run than uh, Ryan Baraki we just talked about Mm -hmm, uh, in mm -hmm. 60 less innings. Yeah. Which is yikes. Mm -hmm. He he works on the control. He's probably not going to be nearly as rattled. Uh, as he was this year. Um, it'd be interesting. I'd like to see Sean Reed fully get developed in a way that keeps him away from uh, hitters parks for a year. I can't pitch in Toronto. I, I don't know how, yeah. I don't like <laughs> just kind of like strategically start him. Like yeah. it'd be cool if he was like the number six starter who got spot starts, uh, but that's tough, but still yeah. remained up with the team. Maybe got some bullpen. I'd like for him to get at least a hundred innings uh, next year. That would be ideal. Uh, so the full season with the club, uh, but not regularly in the rotation. For sure. That would be. That's what I would like to see with him. So maybe like cap him at 110 innings, um, <laughs> and then just kind of like see see how he performs where he's not like pitted up against the New York Yankees in his like second career start or something. Like it was just like I feel like it was just such a bad start to the season for him. Like he it was just. It was brutal, and it was sad to watch. Any grade uh, for me? C minus. C minus. Yeah, but he has like B plus upside. Like he still has it in him to be like an absolute strikeout machine. For sure. We're just gonna have to wait and see uh, where he fits into the rotation next year, uh, if at all. If he's not gonna be number six, or if he's gonna be like um, what Sanchez did at the start of his career, where True. he was like bullpen for a bit. All right. Last but not least, Thomas Pannone. Who cares? Patrick um, wants to jump on this hype train, though. Yeah, I guess. I don't know. I, I'm on this hype train. I've always been on this hype train. I jumped off it when he had the bad start in Baltimore, but that's on me. I'll accept that. <laughs> if you take out that Baltimore start uh, and how it skews his numbers, like his FIP and XFIP look terrible. Yeah. But honestly, you take out that Baltimore start, he had a great season. He had, he, had, he did exactly what we needed him to do. It really pissed me off at the start of the year that he got caught with the PEDs and he was suspended for 80 games. But you know what? He took his lumps. He came back. And I think he has the potential to be a solid starter for us. And I'm going to call it now. He'll probably be our number five starter next year. Thomas Pannone will not be a Blue Jay in two years. You heard it here first. All right. He gets a B from me this year. But... um, Believe the hype. I think he is actually going to be better than what we saw him this year. And he was all—he already had a pretty decent year. You're the deciding vote then, Justin. Uh, Blue Jay in two years or not? No, just in general. Thomas Benone. Oh. I'm, not, I'm not convinced on him. He's, ser- he's serviceable. Uh, he'll compete for the fifth spot, but he's not guaranteed to make the rotation by any means, depending on what goes down in free yeah. agency or whoever else emerges in spring training. He's not guaranteed. He's not guaranteed anything. That's such a nice negative thing to say. He's, he's serviceable. Serviceable. He's he's better than <laughs> Sam Caviglio. Oh well, yeah. 
obviously. But uh, in terms of being a Blue Jay in two years, you might be right, Clayton. I don't think Panone's going to be a guy with us for he's, the he's not I a, don't he's, I don't think he's a long-term... He's he's never going to be more than a fourth or fifth starter. Yeah, he'll be with us next year. Oh yeah, and maybe like yeah, that second year, but after two years, he's not. Once we hit that competitive window, we need to set, when we need to have guys in place to win. Yeah, we need to have a rotation like the Astros did or mm-hmm. like the Indians have. He won't be in that picture anymore. Yeah, I'll give him a C. I'm not giving him a grade. Yeah, it's tough. It's tough when you got six starts. You know, that's it. So, yeah. uh, speaking of that's it, uh, that's it. That's all. Episode 24 in the books. Again, if you have any questions, topics, anything you want to throw our way, just, uh, again, uh, what's the email? Batflipsmapledips at gmail.com and get ready for a super spicy episode next yeah, week. Yeah, next week's going to be fun. Uh, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, you can send us messages there. Don't even bother our next opia. We don't have it. We're not going to have it. Yeah, whatever. We will get it one day. <laughs> SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play Music, YouTube, tune in, everything. We're basically on it. Uh, fun episode today. And um, we'll talk to you next week. On behalf of Patrick, on behalf of Justin, it's Clayton signing off. Have a good one.